Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 298. Only two episodes away from 300. And joining us this week uh, for a second time on the pod, uh, Councilwoman Celeste Friend joins us once again to talk about South Utica District and that time of the season for getting ready for another election cycle. Uh, also, this week we will talk about uh, CDC's uh, new rules regarding uh, COVID. Uh, stimulus checks, we'll talk about uh, Utica-inspired sandwiches, we'll talk about uh, history lessons, we'll talk about juices for a surprisingly long time. Uh, all of this, folks, and so much more. Uh, and as always, we are happy, we're excited, uh, we're ecstatic to have you joining us for another episode of the night, Tuesday morning, whatever. So you know what that means. Mm. It's another episode of the UDCast, episode are. 298. Join us always by the, the anchor, the stoic, the stoic provider of uh, commentary here on the show, Kev Sullivan. Like a mountain in the distance, steadfast, resolute, um, always been there, always will be there. Here we are. Uh, Kev, how's your, uh, how was, how'd last week treat you? It was all right. Yeah. It was all right. I'd, you can, it'd be nice if it warmed up. It'd be nice to, to have a little break, a little shake up. I'm glad you said that. I was just going to say I've heard rumors of upcoming warm weather this week. Hmm. I've heard rumors of weather even as high as 50 degrees. It'd be nice to get back outdoors a little bit. Yes. Yes, it would be sweet to get outdoors. Um, yeah, I'm, I think... I don't know. Someone told me that earlier this week, so I have no proof that that's hmm. true. I just took some stranger's word for it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Be worse, uh, but yeah, I've heard rumors abound. So there you go. I was just thinking about it. We were looking at guitar stuff before we started the show here. Uh, you know, I have my nephew who's into playing you know musical instruments, and I was talking to my sister about how expensive certain types of musical instruments are. Like mm-hmm. you know, even like a starter kit of drums is going to set you back a certain amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. For for parents. And I was trying to think like, what's and I don't have any kids, so any parents out there will have to send in any any thoughts they have about this. You spend more on your kids' hobbies and stuff with music or, like, sports, do you think? I guess it depends on the sport. Entirely depends on the sport. Because, like, hockey stuff feels like it'd be expensive. Super expensive. Right? Like, even, like, sneakers and stuff is expensive as a kid. If I had to get cleats, you're talking, Mm -hmm. I don't know, could be anywhere from 80 to 100 plus dollars for a pair of cleats, depending on who you are and what you're trying to get. Yeah, yeah. But music stuff is really expensive, too. I I wonder... No, because music is just a one-time price. For the most part. Yeah. Like you buy the yeah. thing and that's the thing. You're not paying different fees throughout the year usually and stuff like that. Like if you want to buy your kid a guitar and an amp, you pay for the guitar, you pay for the amp, now you got the guitar and the amp. Yeah, and your upkeep on a guitar is actually it's not, nothing. It's not it's too nothing. bad, yeah. It's, I mean, maybe $50 a year. Yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah, unless you're, you're, like, not taking care of it or if it's, like, a just really bad instrument, like a really cheap instrument. Yeah, I mean, sports, I feel like certain sports, certainly. Like, there there are probably, like, certain, you know, traveling sports maybe certain kids get into that are, now you're talking about real money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most sports, probably. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I feel like I lost a lot of sports equipment when I was a kid too. Like if my mom bought me like new, uh, like you know, gloves for football, like the, mm. I would lose those almost immediately because I was an idiot. So that's <laughs> a lot of like repeat purchases mm. on stuff with uh, with sports. So yeah, parents, shout out and, and let me know. Uh, let's see some quick notes this week. Obviously, we'll start with oh, uh, joining us this week, uh, uh, Councilwoman Celeste Friend joining us back once hey. again. Yeah, it's Councilman uh, Week, Councilperson time of the year. Everyone's getting ready for for getting signing for their petitions and getting numbers and stuff. So I'm seeing a lot of people, a lot of Congress uh, Council folks. Trying to reach out now. It's that time mm, of year. Fair that enough. time of year. I'm happy to have them on, by the way. I don't mean that in a negative way. Yeah, yeah. Just, that's the time of year it is. Always. We'll talk to everybody. Um, all right. What else? What else? Oh, yeah. Some quick notes this week. Uh, we're not going to do a spoiler things for it, which I would have done in a different time about WandaVision. Uh. Um, so I don't I don't spend. I don't want to spend any time killing stuff that happened on the show. Kev, did you like it? Yes. Yeah. I liked it, too. Yeah. We're not really a plot discussion kind of show. I feel like. Yeah, maybe, you know, it, it, I didn't feel like we needed to spend any time going over all the spoilers of this yeah, show. But also nothing to spoil, really. No, not really. Uh, but I did, I've seen a couple different articles on, on both sides of this, and I wanted to catch your thoughts. I've seen a couple articles about people talking about how this show is a good argument for why shows shouldn't be all released at once and should be released week to week. And I've also seen a bunch of arguments bemoaning this show saying it would have been better if we were just allowed to binge it. Do you have any thoughts on this show in particular? For yeah, this? I mean, I think that's just probably comes down to personal preference for folks, really. And I don't know if anybody's really wrong there. Um, I think I like the fact that it was week to week. Yes. Gives me a, oh, hey, look, this. Especially in a time like right now where there's like not as much going on. Everybody's kind of been locked down forever. There's less like to look forward to. It's a little bit more like, oh, yeah. hey, that show that I've been watching comes out today. Um, this show didn't need it as much as another show might, but it was still good to have it split up like that. I think what a lot of people who were making the argument that it should have been bingeable is like, this kind of show leads to people getting their expectations up too high. Well, that's right? on and, them. People yeah. are just spoiled. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's all. People just being like, oh, I expect, I think John Cena's gonna show up as Reed Richards. No. <laughs> that's, you're spoiled. I'm so, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you hurt your own feelings. That's on you. Yeah, I... I, I, I'm just trying to make play devil's advocate here. I yeah, agree yeah. with you. I like, you know, I, I've said before, not since Breaking Bad, have I, do I feel like I've had a ton of shows that really captivated me for, like, the end of the week where I'm like, I can't wait. I mean, for a while, I guess you and I were watching Westworld, and I was into it for a little bit, week mm -hmm. to week, but that show kind of fell off the rails a little bit. Yeah. Twin Peaks, but that was just me by myself, so I didn't feel Correct. like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this was, like, uh, it was nice to have a show that I could... Mm -hmm converse with somebody about for a couple days afterwards and then like oh it's back on this week so that I mean, was you know me I, I tend to fall into the camp of i just kind of let my entertainment be you know what i yeah. mean like i'm not really trying i don't project expectations on things and like i don't really there's certainly been shows that have let me down or like oh, i wish mm -hmm. this had stayed better or whatever like that but i can't get your hopes up too much it's just a tv show uh the other one i had for quick notes this week is i uh, <laughs> i noticed this while we were watching uh parts of the NBA All-Star Game and wrestling last night. Uh, the general insurance is... Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope you folks know out there know the general insurance. It's the, the insurance company with the stupid commercials from back in the day. Mm -hmm. They're running the commercial now where they're like, we're aware that no one thinks we're serious. Yeah. But we're reframing ourselves as self-aware. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good idea. I think they did a good job with it. Yeah, you might as well. Are there any other companies you could think of that should do this? 
companies that everyone knows are terrible that need to lean into knowing they're terrible and like reframing their image. No, that's not what they did. It's not about knowing that they're terrible. It was just knowing, hey, we're we're a good company, and no one. But knows our it. commercials have not been great. Yeah. We haven't really been stepping up to the plate with advertising. So you probably think we're not a good company, but look, we actually are. Um, as far as other companies that need to do that, ninety percent of companies <laughs> in the local area. <laughs> the, the 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 digital marketing space and the web presence of almost every local and regional business is man it'll leave you lacking yeah so yeah a lot of people mm. a lot of people with great businesses and terrible web presences who need to i you know that stuff's important now my internet's not a fad guys my first thought initially when i watched these commercials was going back to when domino's like started running that ad campaign where they're like we know that our food is perceived as terrible. So mm. we're going to like go out of our way to show you how much better our food is now. Yeah, it's a long, proud tradition in, in the history of advertising of businesses <laughs> who are trying to, you know, take, you can take two different ways. You can try to sort of trick the customers and just like not talk about it and swim with it. But a lot of times customers have shown they will respect if you come out and be like, hey, you know, yeah. here's this thing we see. We're going to openly come at it and address it. People, people like that kind of candidness. So... Uh, and then Whatever, last, good for them, I guess. Yeah, good for the general. I, I'm not going to go get their insurance, I don't think, uh, now. I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't have any allegiance I won't to remember it after you say what else and we move <laughs> to the next thing, but they were out there. The general. Uh, this is good for him. This is the personal one. I uh, had to get a haircut last week, finally. Mm-hmm. It was getting so long, I was going a little stir-crazy. And, Kev, you'll, you'll probably know what this is like. Uh, I, I shaved my beard down. My beard was getting pretty mm-hmm. thick. And I was like, I'm going to trim the beard down. And then once I trimmed the beard down and I just had the long hair, I was like, oh, no. This, mm. is, a, this is a horrendous look. Uh. I had, like, the muffin like the muffin top. <laughs> like, you know what mm. I mean? Like, it was just popping out of the top of my ear. So I finally had to go into the, the, the get a haircut. And I went in. And I don't know if this ever happens to you. I saw a piece of clothing on someone else in the, in the barbershop. Mm-hmm. And I was immediately jealous. And was like, what is that? I need to find out what, where it is and where they got it from. But I don't mm. want to talk to this person, and they're not in any place where I can see them. So I did, like, the weird thing where I went home and tried to, like, back search what I thought this item could be, and I couldn't find it. It was a pair of sweatpants. I thought they were real cool looking. Oh, yeah, you're not going to go up and ask a man about his pants. Can't go up and ask him about a pair of sweatpants. It's a weird question to ask somebody. But I don't know if anyone ever does this. You go in public or someplace, and you get jealous of someone else's apparel when you see it out on the street. Yeah, you always, yeah, you see a lot of people out there. I feel like sneakers probably number one on this. Mm. Right? You see a pair of, I mean, for me at least. It was yeah, always. a lot of people, a lot of people like the sneakers out there. I don't know, does this happen to you ever? Um. <laughs> or are you just a crazy person? I mean, I don't know, I've never seen somebody been like, damn, I gotta hit the books on the research. Gotta hit the books on the research. And try to find the link. Um, well, I'm not gonna ask. Excuse I, me, sir. What that these too. Pants? I yeah. mean, I, I, yeah, I see people all the time where I'm like, oh, that's cool. But no, I don't know if it ever goes past the point where I'm like, oh, I gotta get that for me. Well, you know what it is for me because I think maybe it's just that I don't, uh, I don't like go out of my way to read a lot of like fashion articles, right? So I don't know mm. what people are wearing. Right. I just gotta see stuff in the world and be like, mm. that looks, <laughs> that looks all right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, one of those. I'm not one of. I don't tend to read GQ in my mid 30s the way that I pretended to in my mid 20s. I see. I see. Mr. GQ. <laughs> you ever think about doing like one of those like stitch fix or like one of those like clothing? No. No? No. Um, I'm six foot five. That's true. I'm a monster. 
And I also don't mind shopping for clothes at all mm. myself. I right. like to go out and go looking, and I like I need. It's just things fit so differently at different sizes. I can't tell you how many times I've bought a shirt that if it fits, you know, in if the sleeves are as long as I want them to be, the short the shirt itself is too short, or yep. if it's long enough, it's also too wide and billowy. There, so there's a lot of like. You know, there's there's a lot of nuance to when I'm going to find stuff. So no, I'm, somebody just mailing clothes to my home and guessing at how they'll fit is not really probably the thing for me. I don't mind going out there and looking myself. Uh, I'm not sponsored by any of these companies, by the way. But I, there's a company I read about called Proper Cloth, right? They mm-hmm. make they make shirts, right? Apparently, but they yeah, yeah. ask for your measurements. Yeah. Right. Which which is kind of nice, I suppose. Like going to a tailor, I mm-hmm. suppose. Are you're you're not, like, crazy, crazy tall, like Andre the Giant or something. You don't go to, like, a big and tall store to buy things. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where you would find a big and tall store. store yeah. But, yeah, I mean, certainly for uh, inseam length on pants, mm. it's helpful looking like a big and tall section if you're looking for something. Because normally, what's the longest you see? 32? I mean, 34, yeah, you know 34, what I mean? For inseam, stuff like that. So, um... It can be here and there, but a lot of times big and tall section just means, like, giant, Gi- yeah. giantly, like, heavy. So everything's, like, really kind of like a moo-moo. And I can't, you know what I mean? You, you can't have that. But you're always looking for extra length. Square, I see. Finding things long enough. Sleeves huh. long enough. Like, even, look at this shirt. The shirt that I'm wearing right now. I'll pull the curtain back. This is made by Carhartt. Looks yeah. good. Look when I extend the arm. Oh, yeah. See what I mean? Short sleeve when you extend the arm. I have a lot of problems with that because I have a lot of medium shirts that I'm still attempting to fit in, <laughs> even though I'm no longer a medium, right? That's like, fair. even this shirt, I'm like, this sort of fits, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, it's just a reminder that I gotta lose weight. I gotta stop playing that game, though. Mm. I'm not gonna buy a new wardrobe. I'm just gonna wait to be thinner. Like, that's yeah. A, and then by the time you get there, you'll be like, I don't even want to wear this damn shit this. anymore. Yeah, you know what I mean? This terrible. isn't even cool anymore. <laughs> Do you, when's the last time you actively felt like you needed to buy something cool? High school? Uh, Do you what, mean like... What does that mean, buy something? I, I, I like don't know. everything that I buy, I think is cool. That's why I bought it. No, right, I know. But like, you like I can't think of a fad that I that's come up that I felt like I've had to jump on in the last like 10 years. Mm. Right? Like it wasn't like all of a sudden, I guess snapback hats. I do have a lot of snapback hats. That was kind of Yeah, awkward. I think the last 10 years is generous. I mean, 10 years covers all your time in Brooklyn. Yeah. So there was certainly, I'm sure stuff during that time. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You just for me it's always like if you see something you like if it's a fad or if it's not really a fad or whatever, if you like it, you might pick it up, you might try it out for yourself, but I've never I've always thought the best thing to do is just grab what you like for yourself, the stuff that makes you feel good, and don't overthink it too much. I kind of miss band t-shirts. Yeah. Like the era of like going in and getting a new band t-shirt if there was like a new release mm. at the old Hot Topic or something, or mm. Mr. Rags or something. Go back to, go back to band tees. Why do you need to wear a band tee? Are you wearing the house? Where are you going? Yeah, what are you wearing? Yeah. T-shirts? You wear a t-shirt every day. Under a sweater, usually. I'll throw a bantie under there. <laughs> uh, all right, so there you go. All sorts of stuff. We didn't get to any of the news that I was going to talk no, about. No, we're just so talking, yeah. talking fits talking and fixes. fits yeah. and fixes. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we'll get into uh, some news this week. We'll start off with uh, vaccine news. Uh, United States hit a record daily vac- uh, COVID vaccination uh, earlier this week, administering 5.3 million vaccines over the weekend, according mm. to the latest tally. Uh, this is also sort of going along with like uh, a lot of states are dropping mask mandates and loosening restrictions. So good things to feel things to feel good about, things to feel nervous about, I suppose a little bit. But it is good to see so many people getting, you know, breaking this record. Hopefully, you break it every week. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, that's yeah. Keep pushing. 
sort of everything going forward. Uh, CDC uh, administered 2.9 on Saturday and 2.4 million on Sunday. These numbers are, numbers are subject to revision. This is from CNBC.com. More than one in five adults have now received at least one vaccine dose, while just over one in 10 have received two vaccine doses. Uh, I also... I also was reading something here. So for folks, just I'm sure this people already know this, you are not technically um, vaccinated until two weeks after your second shot. Yeah. So I wonder how many people get like the first one and are just immediately like, boom, let's go. Like, plenty. <laughs> plenty. Plenty. You know it's true. You know it's true. Yeah, no, it's true. I am, I am starting, again, I, I say what you will for people posting their stuff on the internet. Uh, whether I would want to do that or not, right? But I saw a lot of people posting it this week, which in mm-hmm. just means it must have been a big time for people getting it this week. So yeah. I'm happy to see a lot of folks out there who wanted to get it, for sure. being able to get it. For sure. I knew a couple of people who wanted to get it who could not get it, which mm. means, I guess, that it you know it filled up pretty quickly. Yeah, so. definitely. Back to the drawing board this week. Yep, back to the drawing board this week. stop giving them out. Uh, OCGov.net is where I know a lot of people have gone. Keep mm-hmm. checking there. It needs to be pretty easy. Uh, all right, and let's see what else we have going on this week. Uh, also in New York stuff, Governor Cuomo announced at a teleconference on Sunday that restaurants outside of New York City can now open at 75% capacity beginning on March 19th. New York City restaurants will remain at 35% capacity. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of restaurant owners are very happy about this. I think we're up to 50 now at the current moment. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I went out to a restaurant when I was in... Uh, when I was in Chicago, and it was interesting. The restaurant itself was sort of built in a way that almost made it, uh, like, work for COVID times anyway. The whole, all the rooms were sort of broken off into little, like, sections anyway. Sure. So you were already kind of isolated from people. Um, I wonder if you start seeing a lot of restaurants sort of rearrange. I, I haven't been to a restaurant in a long time around here. I wonder if restaurants are already sort of rearranging their setups to make it a little more easy to get people in there and less on top of each other. Yeah, if they can. I mean, if it would, you know, everybody's physical space and limitations are different, and the equipment everybody has available to them or furniture they have is different. But I'm sure a lot of people are making what changes they can. Well, I think you'll see a lot too, with, especially as we were saying. Hopefully, if the weather starts getting nicer, you start thinking about you can use outdoor space people a little bit back outside. Yeah, again. yeah, just like they were all summer. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that'll be good stuff. Good to see. Uh, all right, what else? What else? Oh yeah, this is from today. This is, uh, was announced this morning. Uh, the CDC has said that fully vaccinated Americans can gather with other vaccinated people indoors without wearing a mask or social distancing, according to long-awaited guidelines from federal health officials. Uh, these recommendations, uh, this is from AP News, by the way, for folks who want to read it. Uh, recommendations also say that vaccinated people can come together in the same way in a single household with people considered a low risk for de- uh, severe disease, such as in the case of vaccinated grandparents visiting healthy children and grandchildren. So, a uh, lot of stuff coming out today about what we can and cannot do for folks who have received the vaccination already. Mm. So, interesting changes. A lot of stuff happening very quickly, it feels like. Slowly but surely. Yeah. All right. What else? Is that all the COVID stuff I think we have this week? Oh, I guess we... Uh, yeah, stimulus is sort of related. Uh, Senate passage of President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill on Saturday brought the massive legislation one step closer to law. This is from CNN. Uh, first, the bill must go back to the other side of the Capitol, where the House, which already passed its own version of the bill, is scheduled to vote on Tuesday. Uh, the vote is expected to succeed on a party line, as it did in the Senate, with a narrow uh, Democratic majority. 
Uh, only after the House passes it will land on Joe Biden's desk, but action's expected soon after it lands on his desk sometime on Tuesday. So for folks who are looking for another round of payments, you start seeing them in the next few weeks. Uh, although they did say that because of tax filing season, it could slow the process down. I keep forgetting that tax season mm-hmm. is coming up, and I'm like mm-hmm. not super excited about doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of... That's that's about it for, for COVID-related stuff for the week. I guess we could move on to some local, some particularly local news. Yeah, sure. Some super local stuff. This one was a big one this week. Casino mogul Steve Wynn, who grew up in central New York, donated $50 million for the new Utica Hospital, which will now be called the Wynn Hospital. Mm. Uh, I mean, I don't have a ton of hot takes on this story. You can read what you want about Steve Wynn and who he is. He's a casino magnate, and there's some less than desirable things about him you can read on your own time. Uh, but yeah, this sort of came out of nowhere over the week. Just donated $50 million, Grew up around here. Uh I don't know if you have a take on that. Oh, no, I mean, well, yeah, what the, you take them, I don't know. Take the money, I suppose. Yeah, I, I haven't read anything about it, so I can't really, I, I don't have an opinion yet, because I haven't really read yeah, Steve Wynn's, news to me. Yeah, Steve Wynn's net worth is $3.2 billion, so if you're talking, you're talking big time casino magnate here. Uh, MV Health System said the donation will be used to pay uh, for service dis- uh, development, equipment, and training to enhance offerings at the new hospital, which is expected to open in the fall of 2020. 23. Mm. The Wynn Hospital is what it will be called. Uh, here's a less uh, serious one. <laughs> um, are you familiar with like it's uh, the it's a Utica thing, uh, Utica restaurant truck that's around here? Uh, yeah. I see their branding all over the place. They've come up with a new sandwich. It's like the Utica inspired sandwich. Are you ready for it? Sure. Okay. The tomato pie is the bread. So it's mm. two pieces of tomato pie is bread. It's filled with chicken riggies and greens and smothered in mozzarella cheese. It's not listed on the menu, uh, but it does say it's coming to a neighborhood near you, meaning it's probably coming to the menu. So what are your thoughts on the Utica sandwich with greens and riggies in between two pieces of tomato pie as bread? Uh, I'm surprised it took so long. <laughs> I think that doing riggies as a whole is a mistake. I think you'd be better off with a grilled chicken breast in the riggy sauce with some of like mm. the peppers and olives and onions mm. and stuff like that. Interesting. Um, so you get like the full piece of chicken because it would be a little bit easier for the structural integrity of a sandwich. It feels but, like I mean, a mess. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, of course it's a mess. I mean, a lot of stuff is a mess. But uh, I, yeah, I'm just surprised it took somebody so long to make tomato to make tomato pie the bread. That's really the you know that's the part that sticks with me about this more than the greens and the riggies. I'm like, oh wow, tomato pie, toasted tomato pie as the bread. That's a mm-hmm. that's pretty clever. Like that's a that's a winning idea. Mm. I agree with you. Maybe some sort of just more, a more solid protein in there, not just like chicken riggies, pasta and chicken all mixed up. Something a little more substantial inside. Yeah, I don't need, I don't need macaroni in the sandwich. Yeah, yeah, I don't need that. I don't that. need that. Maybe, maybe just the greens. Maybe just the greens. Just the greens. Just the greens and the mots. So, yeah, so no meat at all. Meatless. You don't, I mean, we put a little, there's some meat in the greens. Yes. You're eating greens, right? You're doing, Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I guess I guess just my first thought would be to put a piece of some sort of protein meat in it, but I guess there's no reason to. No, I, people go nuts. People go nuts trying to shoehorn a piece of protein meat into stuff sometimes without ever giving a thought as to why they're doing so. I say go with the greens, the moths, the tomato pie. You got what you need. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea. I like it. Uh, yeah. 
Also this week in food-related news, uh, the central New York uh, region, Utica, Rome, Syracuse, Mock Valley, full of amazing chefs. Uh, and you can put your uh, your skills to test on the Food Network Chopped, which is looking for contestants in the central New York area. You trying to go on Chopped, Kevin? Yeah, no. <laughs> Producers are currently looking for chefs to be on the show. Chop challenges competitors to make delicious dishes out of a broad assortment of unusual ingredients. Your first step is auditioning, but I think you have to go to New York to audition, so there's no fun. Yeah, it makes sense. I hope somebody local gets on, and I hope they win. It'd be cool. Uh, to. I don't think I'm very good. That's my problem. I wouldn't want to go because I'd be an embarrassment, yeah. even if I got on, right? Yeah, you can't. I mean, they're not. you're not going to get on the audition. I think this is for real chefs, too, not like just... Nobody's. Or even like half real. You know, yeah, like people yeah. Who, you know, I mean, yeah, there's no way. There was an upstate New York chef who won Chopped in March of 2020. Her name was Michelle Hunter, who is the executive chef at Saratoga Springs Hamlet and Ghost Restaurant. Mm. She won one episode. She used vegan pork, pecan kringle, spaghetti sushi, dear God, moringa powder, ambrosia, Negroni, and some other stuff. God, see, yeah, what am I? What would I do with all that? Nothing. nothing. It'd be no, terrible. No. You win 10K for winning, uh, for winning Chopped, huh? That's it. Well, it's only one episode. Ah, still. It's one episode. Still. <laughs> still. It's on TV. Don't tell me. Don't tell me Fox or whoever doesn't have the budget. I won't hear it. 10K. <laughs> um, so, we can blast through these topics because I'm... This is the section I'm the least looking forward to this week. Sure. We always have one of these this week. And it's things people are inexplicably mad about this week. Uh, first one is Dr. Seuss. Uh, six Dr. Seuss books. This is from the AP News. Uh-huh. Oh, go ahead. Well, what? Oh, no. Uh, six Dr. Seuss books, including uh, If I Ran the Zoo and I Think I Saw Them All by Street, will stop being published because of racist and insensitive imagery, uh, business that provides and protects the author's legacy, said on Tuesday. Uh, Seuss Enterprises told the Associated Press, these books portray people in a way that are hurtful and wrong. Uh, this coincided with the late author and illustrator's birthday, a lot of people are mad about this. They think it's sort of the cancellation of Dr. Seuss, even though that's not really what's happening here. Like, they're not removing Dr. Seuss books from sale from anywhere. Just this five particular books that the owners of the license decided they don't want to print anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really see this. This is, seems like just a uh, thing that people are mad about for the internet. <laughs> like, Not I, even. No, they're lying. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't real. This isn't... I mean, it's it's so... This is... This is just one of the latest and most disingenuous in a long, long line of this kind of thing where these people are going out and they're just, oh, yeah, people are trying to cancel Dr. Seuss, cancel Dr. Seuss. The Seuss family said, hey, these five or six yeah. books, which aren't even classic Dr. Seuss books, no, they're not. we're not going to print them and put them out the same way. And these people have been going out crying, claiming this has anything to do with what they think yeah. is the left or Democrats or whoever they're mad at right now. And disingenuously saying it has anything to do with, you know, woke police or culture gone wild. And they're just lying. And yeah. they know that they're lying because that's not what it is. This family in a free market system has the right to stop publishing whatever they want to stop publishing. And I think it's very telling that everybody who's bitching and complaining about this is not standing next to the actual images from the actual books that have been pulled from publication. So, no, yeah. this isn't real and I won't hear a word of it from anybody. Yeah. Quite frankly. Did you read like, Dr. Seuss books growing up at Of course. All? Yeah. Of uh, course. Yeah, my mom was a first grade teacher. And uh, mm -hmm. so she, she, we just had every single, like, first grade yeah, children's kid book. Like, yeah. we had, I, my mom had all the, every book that ever existed. And I, even the, some of the ones that were in here, you know, like, you know, 
you didn't notice it at the time when you were a little kid, but when you look mm-hmm. back at some of the images, you're like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty blatant. Yeah. And there's also, like, a long history of, like, famed cartoon authors having stuff in their back catalog that they would like to mm-hmm. be wiped. Go look at all the Walt Disney stuff. You mm. know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this felt like a sort of a manufactured... This is 100% yeah, manufactured. Yeah, to distract right. from the fact that not a single person on this, you know, anti-cancel culture side, nobody voted for any kind of relief for the folks during COVID. Mm-hmm. Nobody, Nobody's talking about... It's all, it's all just garbage, distraction, deflection, and culture war bullshit to pe- keep people spun up and not paying attention to anything really that goes on. The second version of that this happened this week was Mr. Potato Head. which I Also was... garbage. Yeah. Also trash. Which is also not true what they're getting mad about. They're removing... Oh, <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe uh, it. What essentially the Potato Head... They decided to rebrand the whole line as Potato Head. Yeah. Right? So you can buy different versions of Mr. Mr. Potato Head, Little Potato Head, big, whatever it is. Sure. Under this overarching Potato Head mm-hmm. brand name, which is what people are mad about. Sure. Yeah. Again, feels very manufactured and feeling very distractatory. Well, yeah, yeah completely. And that, that made up with the people who can never tell when they're being marketed to yeah. by stuff like this. Like yeah. People still haven't woken up to like... You know, outrage and clickbait as marketing ploys. And I don't understand because it's been, like, well documented. Yeah. I guess you would have to read to know about it. But I just see a lot of people who know better yeah. uh, pretending to not know better. And it's just silly. Uh, the last one was Space Jam 2, but it's so lame I'm not even going to get into it. Uh, you can go watch Space Jam 2, whatever. Fine. Uh, all right, let's do some big energy because we've taken too long on all of this today. Uh, and let's start with this one. Uh, this one is from Vice. Uh, some Australians got lost at sea this week while drinking beers on inflatable mattresses. Mm. Which, you know, bad call, be dangerous out there drinking on an inflatable mattress, but I can totally understand how this would have happened. It's the Australians. <laughs> Floating outside uh, Palmer's Oceanside House, uh, just south of Perth. Uh, these folks hovered about 50 meters from land initially, but found that they were soon several hundred and then several thousand meters away from shore. That's actually got to be terrifying. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, I, you yeah. know, like, it's all funny. Oh, we got drunk and we, got, you know. Oh, that's not funny. I'm thinking, like, you know, you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's like, oh, rum ham. That's all I can think of in my head. But you know mm. how terrifying it would be, especially out in Australia? The worst. Because just, you know. The worst. Sharks and poison spiders and killer snakes. Poison sharks. Yeah, poison sharks. Yo, that'd be, I bet you they got that, too. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scary, but I respect the vibes. I understand how this happened. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> and number two, this one is this one makes me laugh. Uh, guitarist Stevie Vai injured himself and needed surgery after holding a difficult chord and meditating on it for twenty minutes. Kevin, does this make sense to you that you could injure your wrist while holding a difficult chord? For 20 minutes. He, there are, I mean, they're putting some color in that headline. <laughs> like, the man has carpal tunnel and he has to get yeah. surgery for his carpal tunnel. Yeah. Um, that's about it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, a rep- repetitive motion injury in musicians and guitar players is a very real thing, you know, especially in the fingers and the hand. And a guy like Steve Vai's probably played more hours of guitar in his lifetime than anybody who has ever lived, quite likely. Uh, so, no, I'm not surprised <laughs> that, that as he gets older, he's having some hand, arm, and wrist problems. I do always, it's one of the things I always forget when I go back and play, uh, particularly bass for any, uh, like, long period of time, is mm. that uh, my wrist is immediately sore within, like, mm. ten minutes. I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm. And I don't know if that's just me holding it too hard, 
trying too hard to to rock out on the bass. Or... I mean, that could be. That's one of the one of the biggest reasons this happens to people is is it's you know because a lot of times when you're self taught, you know, you just learn bad technique habits. Oh, yeah. You hold your hands and arms and wrists the wrong way, and you put yourself at risk for, you know, injury. Same way if you were lifting weights and you had, like, your form was off. You know, you're a lot more likely to get injured. Same kind of thing. Yeah, I wouldn't say that my technique is the worst technique. I'm not, like, uh, I feel like I'm, like, one of those baseball pitchers who throws, like, sidearm. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you've been, you've played long enough where we can't change this now, even though it's not technically the way you want to throw a baseball mm. ball. <laughs> Maybe I'm overselling my, my poor technique. Uh, but I don't think I really ever had anybody show me, like, all the major, like, how to hold the electric guitar. And you can stuff. always get better. I suppose I haven't played electric in a hot minute. All right, let's uh, let's get to this week's guest. Uh, she is the council person for South Utica. She lives really close to us. She's almost my neighbor. Uh, our good friend Celeste Friend is back. Uh, it's that time of year. Uh, so let's get into our conversation with her. We're happy to, to chat with her. We'll be back to the show in just a minute. Good. You know, you were just in. You were in the the room ahead of me, which is very rare. Oh that's, yeah, that's what happened. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's nice to see you. How are you? Yeah, nice to see you. I'm in a very dark room. I realize now, but that's all right because I put well, a light all, on in front of me. That's, so. that's all right. No one, no doesn't one really matter. It's a podcast. <laughs> that's right. I heard you ran into my uh, my maiden Utica compatriots down at uh, Domenico's. I did. They just gave a great, a terrific grant yeah, to the yeah. cafe, which is really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun, it was a fun project. I'm always really proud of the stuff that Kate and Justin come up with for, for yeah. all their, their Now, stuff. how many, how many grants did they give out? Uh, boy, that is a, that is a question for Justin and Kate. They do a lot more of the, I'm okay. more of a promotions okay. guy. I'm not, right. uh, I'm not with the numbers. I could, uh, okay, cool. I, any number I would tell you I'd be afraid is wrong. I, right. I want to sit down with them. I want to sit down with them. I think that that intersection, Emerson and Genesee, so the uptown, right, the uptown neighborhood, oh, yeah. is really ripe for some serious redevelopment of the, of the right, smart, cultural kind. So I was actually just talking to Devin and Brianna about that. Um, what to, there are three empty house lots on Auburn that got torn down in about 2006. Yeah. And then the old Captain Trips got torn down and a house on Emerson. So there's a total of five house lots there and we got to figure out what to do with them. So I had at one point sort of thought parking, yeah. but Bree and Devin were like, no, they didn't think that that's the way to go. So I really need to talk to people who are, uh, have probably thought this through better than I have. Well, so you're speaking my, and now there's some language. money. So, <laughs> well, you're speaking my language. Um, and we'll talk about that in just a second as well, but you know, I grew yeah. up on Valentine Bray in South Utica, and then I moved away, and then I came back right. within walking distance from where I grew up. So in terms of the Captain Trips one really makes my heart sink when you bring it up, because, you know, I was a mm-hmm. punk rocker kid growing up in that era, playing oh, in bands. Okay, right. So, so when we were playing at Captain Trips, right, you know, I think it was called Amnesia, 
at that point in time. It had gone through its name. Okay. But, you know, when I was a kid, you know, 17, 18, you know, in high school and college doing the band thing, playing it at trips or amnesia meant something really important to us in like an era pre. Sure. Right. So even, you know, even now when I drive past that lot every day of my life, I think to myself, not only did they remove this venue that, you know, they got rid of it altogether. It wasn't like they just left the venue and moved away. They, they, they raised the building right. to the ground <laughs> and it's right. gone. That right. was, that one haunts me all right. the time. And, and oh you, yeah. When, well, if, maybe when we redo something there, yeah. maybe we should have like a, we should have some kind of way in which we recreate Captain Trips, like in, in some symbolic way, you know? Sure. Um, I'd actually really like, and, and maybe you could facilitate this, Oh boy. like a, a listening session mm. with all of those types of people, right? Mm. And by types of people, I mean, like you're in a certain cohort, the yeah. Uticast, Kate and, uh, Katie and Justin, Devin and Brianna. Um, there's a whole kind of um, Heather and, and Zach, oh, yeah. a whole kind of cohort of people like, of, and you're all kind of doing similar things yeah. and have a similar approach and you're similar. I'd really love this summer to do like just a sit down where I just sit and take notes and you talk to me about how we, how we create a new kind of Utica, like Utica, listening to the future of Utica is how I think about it, you know? Yeah. You know, and it's funny too. So you know, facilitate that. Uh, we can talk about that as well. And uh, that might be an off the air discussion. We can talk about that further, but you know, I'm okay. glad you bring right. up Devin and, you know, right. and Devin and Brianna. And it's an interesting, you know, just a little interesting side note when Devin and Brianna, you know, when we, when I heard about someone taking over the Uptown, I, I reached out almost immediately to them because the Uptown was so important to sure. me personally. That was my hometown movie theater. That's where I saw Jurassic right. Park like 25, right. 33 times that I saw it as a kid. So, um, right, right. So I, and you know, I ended up becoming close friends with them, not because I knew them beforehand, but because any person who was invested mm -hmm. in the Uptown, I was just like, I got to talk to him. I have to be involved. Right, yeah. right, right. And they've created such a really cool like thing down there. And it's been really, really exciting. Uh, but Celeste, let's talk about you for just a moment. I, I have a whole bunch of notes and I haven't even had a chance okay. to get to them here. So uh, let me go back here. On February 18th of 2021, you announced that you were running for re-election for Utica Common Council uh, to represent the people of the third ward, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Utica. You always wanted it. You always knew you were going to do it again. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. having the time of my life. <laughs> this is the most um, gratifying, sort of like personally gratifying, interesting, challenging in all the best ways. Um, I am, you know, I don't love every minute of it. There are minutes that are less pleasant, but overall, I'm just loving it. You couldn't, you know, they're going to have to drag me out of there kicking and screaming someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you bring it, you know, that's a, you bring up a great point because I don't think there's any single person in the world who loves every single aspect of their job, no matter what it is. Right. right. And it's politics, right? So yeah. it can be, you know, it can be, you know, people yeah. butting heads at each other and I don't always like that. And so, yeah. Well, uh, I was just going to ask you, this is, uh, I've noticed a lot of people talking about it. This is uh, collecting signature season started for you last week. So you guys are in the mad rush to collect yes. signatures right now. <laughs> How's that right. process going? So it's going well. Um, 
so the way that it works in the state of New York, every state's a little bit different. You, in order to get on a ballot line, you have to collect a certain number of signatures from members of your party who control that ballot line um, in or, from the district that you represent. So the smaller the district, the, the fewer the number you need. Because of the pandemic, um, the Albany did lower it from 5% to 1.5%, so less than a third less. So um, we're doing very well. We're very much overshooting our required number, which is pretty standard practice. Sure. So, um, but we also think of it as part of campaigning. You know, it's your first chance to really um, to talk to voters and it's the first thing they're doing as part of the democratic process, but it's going very well. Uh, we are, I don't know, we're maybe two thirds or three quarters towards our goal. We have a specific number in mind that we're shooting for, which is a big overshoot, but we're getting there, yeah. Uh, so I'm just looking at the website, which people can go to if they want to know more uh, about your campaign. It's uticaforall.com. You're also on uh, on Facebook. In this, uh, in sort of the the changing time of COVID and a lot of the Zoom calls, have you had to change the way you reach out to constituents in any particular way? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I got sworn into office on January 1st of 2020. Mm -hmm. And then COVID came two and a half months later, right? So, you know, the vast majority of my time has been under these restrictions. Um, and I really miss it. Like there's a South Utica Neighborhood Association meeting that I think the last one was in March. So I had three of them before I had to, before we had to stop. And I loved those meetings, right? You got to see people and talk to them in person. So, um, but I, from the beginning, sent out a newsletter and I still send out a newsletter. So I actually have a pretty um, regular contact with my constituents. I send out at least two big emails a month and people can just hit reply and say, hey, you know, here, here's what I was thinking or geez, my street really needs to be paved or here's my further question that I have about this or that. So because I was doing the newsletter, which had nothing to do with COVID, um, it it right from the beginning institutionalized this means of communication that was COVID proof, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I am actually having a virtual town hall tomorrow night and it's the first one I've done, which seems kind of um, late to the party. Uh, but I think like a lot of people, I kept thinking, well, we're gonna go back to normal soon, aren't we? So um, I'm glad to be doing this. I'm really looking forward to the Zoom town hall and a bunch of people have signed up. So I think it's gonna be really great. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so the, the newsletters um, and the Facebook and the Twitter are, are in fact a good way to stay in touch with people. I also have gotten a reputation for, I answer my phone. If people call me, I pick up the phone and talk to them. So I'm actually talking to constituents all the time and really liking that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's something that I've struggled with with, uh, you know, even just promoting the show, I, I struggle with social media. I don't, I don't like doing it, but I understand the necessary sort of evil that inherently comes with promoting a brand or a, a podcast or an event mm -hmm. or something. Do you feel like you, have you gotten right. better at like finding the fine line between like using social media to your advantage and having it be a hindrance? Cause I struggle sometimes with it. Well, it's funny you mentioned you mentioned that. So right now I'm letting myself get into a Twitter war over Andrew Cuomo. And and I'm sort of like there's there is one like that there's one little, I don't know if it's an angel or a devil, but yeah. it's on my shoulder saying, No, don't, no, don't go there. Don't go there with him. 
Mm. He's, you know, so um, yeah. I, although one of the things is I have to constantly remind myself, um, I'm still not used to the idea that I'm like something of a public figure. So if I just like say something on Twitter, it can't just be like, I, you know, now, I mean, I do understand I don't use the F-bomb on social media anymore. And, you know, I cleaned up my act in certain ways a long time ago, but I literally will go to a meeting and I'll, I'm like, I'll be in some kind of Zoom meeting and I just think I'm there and people, but people know who I am just because of my name. And I'm still kind of, I have to get used to that. I don't really have any kind of anonymous presence in the world anymore. It's a, it's a dirty secret about me. I've learned over the years and I've had to, you know, I've pulled it back over the years because of education and the jobs that I've had, but I notice in my free time that I am pretty casual with the swear words. So that's something I have had to struggle with. over. Oh, the- yeah. <laughs> I, I swear like a trucker. I swear like a trucker in my normal life. And in fact, I have a good friend who's a, like a really important political advisor who just, and he fairly early came up to me. He's like, okay, what I just, what I would like to suggest is that you only use those big special words with people who you know you can really trust. And, and I, cause I was, if I get really angry, I call out my big words and like, it's not, you know, I know not to do it on the radio or whatever, but I, you know, and I, yeah, but you can offend people. There are people, people have different sensibilities and yeah. I don't have any of those sensibilities. So, but I, I really do have to remind myself that there are people who have those sensibilities and not, not call out the really big words, except, except for very particular circles of friends, you know? So I'm, uh, I'm looking at the website right now as I'm going through your press release that you did earlier this month. And one of the things you talked about is uh, some of the legislation that you've helped introduce over the past year. Uh, one of the things I want to ask you about is the rent relief resolution. You said provided more than five hundred thousand in direct rent relief to tenants and landlords. Is that something that you were you were pushing during the start of COVID, or when did how did you get involved with that? Is something you were pushing in your platform? Well, that was something that happened very early on. It was the first COVID relief bill, and the second that we and I I say we because that was a joint resolution from uh, Delvin Moody and myself. Uh-huh. And the second we saw that come down. Um, and we did some research. Some of the when when you get big stimulus bills like this, most of the money comes through pre-established government programs, federal programs. The, there was one federal program. It's called ESG. It's Emergency Solutions Grants, yeah. and it's meant to mitigate against and respond to homelessness. And I I went to the you know HUD website and read about it, and sure enough, keeping people in their apartments is a way to prevent homelessness make sense right so um so right at the as soon as that that came down i knew that that rent relief would be a really important way to keep people from becoming homeless this kind of an economic downturn um always very predictably leads to a certain surge in homelessness and i really just wanted to i also wanted to prevent that for landlords right so when landlords, when, when they have to kick people out because they can't pay their rent, and then in an epidemic, they can't find people to rent to, and their apartments go unoccupied, that's not good for landlords either. So it, it seemed really clear to me that this rent relief would be both good for tenants, uh, but could also be very good for landlords. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, which is on here as well, uh, is you are intending to establish a citizens advisory board made up of third ward residents who can form and guide you. We talked a little bit about that sort of in our discussion, but uh, where did this idea sort of come from just in your 
time in South Utica being around constituents? Yeah, and I think it's not a um, it's it's not something that I've invented, right? Other people yeah. do this. Citizen advisory boards, uh, people do this, you know, at all levels of government, right? I mean, I don't think the president has one, but um, but certainly Cong Congress people have them. Sure. Um, I actually just today have secured the person who can head it up. It's it's a little bit tricky because I don't want it to be my friends. I don't want it to be the people I already know what they think. Sure. It shouldn't be the people I can already go to. Yeah. Right. Then it's just an echo chamber and I don't need that. So, but that means that if you want somebody else to head it up and select the people, you have to find somebody who you really think is good at doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and I can be a little bit of a control person. So I have to make sure that I don't, I don't want, this can't be something I'm in charge of because then it doesn't really fill its purpose, which is to give me genuine feedback about what I'm doing and what I should be doing. So I have found somebody now, I'm not gonna say who yet because we haven't really formalized it. And, but I will be asked, I will be making suggestions to him about who could be on it. Um, and, but then I want him to go ahead and form it. And one of the things that's really important to me is that it have, have a real wide diversity of people. I want homeowners, but I want renters. I want young people, I want old people. I want, um, I want people who are racially diverse. I want Republicans and Democrats. I want people from all over South Utica. We often think of South Utica in terms of like Arlington Heights. Mm -hmm. That's a, a very nice neighborhood, beautiful houses, and those people reliably turn out. But South Utica also has public housing. I want some, you know, ideally we'd have somebody from public housing. Now, I also wanted to only have 10 to 12 people. So you can't capture every last way in which we're a diverse community, but I want us to really make an effort in that direction. So, uh, so Celeste, you're in the gathering signatures phase. Between now and November, what does the what do the next few months look like for you in terms of getting prepared? So, well, we're like you said, we're gathering signatures. Um, in June, I intend to do things are beginning to open up because of COVID, which is really great. Um, it means that we can run a more normal campaign than we would be able to otherwise. Um, one of the things I'm looking forward to is that in June, I wanna do, so South Utica is divided up into 10 election districts, which another word for that would be precincts. Sure. So there are 10 precincts in, the, in South Utica. Um, I wanna have 10 days of constituent services, um, constituent services and constituent outreach, where for 10 days in a row, we set up on somebody's front lawn. So somebody offers us their front lawn and we go all the way around South Utica and every day we, we, we pick up the canopy and the chairs and the table and we move it down the street um, and we promote it pretty heavily so that people can come and it's just sort of a meet your council person, bring your issues, um, whatever people would like to talk to me about, whether it's, you know, hey, I've got this massive pothole in front of my house or, hey, I've got an idea for Roscoe Conkling Park, whatever it is. So we're looking forward to that in June. And then, um, so that's going to be 10 days in a row. We're really hoping that we can turn it into like a mm -hmm. spectacle. I want it to be a, spect a spectacle of democracy, right? And, uh, and then in July, we'll start a traditional canvassing campaign mm -hmm. where we will go to and knock on the door of every Democrat and some other targeted populations um, and ask them to support me, ask them to vote for me. Uh, so before we get into some more uh, sort of lighthearted questions and such, 
again, people can go to the website, <laughs> uticaforall.com. People can get to you on Facebook. Where else can people reach out to you in case they want to support you, sign up for the newsletter, uh, just real quickly? They can get me on Twitter. They can get me at Celeste4Utica at gmail.com, uh, Utica for all, F-O-R, spell out the four, uh, Utica for all.com, Facebook, Twitter, and my phone number is 317-725-5987. And texts are best. Uh, Celeste, we want to thank you for spending some time with us here today. I do have a few lightning round questions for you. I'll start with this, which I saw on your okay. Twitter feed uh, this week. You were doing sort of like a best of Utica video series about, is it Rintronas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Which my used to be where the black cat was. Yeah. yeah. So my question for you is, uh, and yeah. maybe this yeah. is the answer, is there a particular like local lunch spot or favorite lunch spot currently that you can't wait to go back to? You know, I've really had a hankering lately for, um, for really good, um, Asian food, yes. so Thai and Cambodian food. So I'm really looking forward to being able to go back to Apsara on Bank Place. I hope okay. that they're still there. Um, yeah, they have great food. Oh yeah, great food. Uh, have you gone down to Mikasa as well? They're very good as well. Yep, Mikasa's, Mikasa yeah. is great. Love Mikasa, I haven't been in there in quite a while. Yep. Uh, so uh, what is, uh, do you remember, this is a tough one, you gotta go back for it. What was the very first job? you ever remember wanting to do? Oh, want to, oh, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I wanted to be a veterinarian. And at the time, New England didn't have a veterinary college. Hmm. The closest one was Cornell, right, down in Ithaca. Hmm. And I remember my parents talking about that. It was a big deal growing up in New England that New England didn't have a single veterinary college. But I read, I read all the James Harriet novels and that was it. I wanted to just help get some calves out into the world, you know? Yeah. I've always heard that it's a very like <laughs> frustrating and disappointing position actually, because people who get into it, it's because they okay. love animals and they want to help animals. And what you find out as a veterinarian is that all you ever do is deal with animals who are in terrible conditions and it's really disheartening. So I, I, it's I all I can ever think about what a tough job that must be. That's interesting. I remember once reading the statistic yeah. about, um, so veterinarians, we ask them to put our, to kill our animals at the end, right? Um, I've been in a position where I've had to ask my veterinarian to do that. Yeah. And there was this statistic about how many of them go home and drink heavily that night. Yes. That it's just, but it, you know, you're dealing with people in these terrible moments and, and all this, you know, grief and sadness, and you have to do that over and over again, right? Yeah, and you never see James Harriet having to put down anybody's beloved dog, right? Uh, right. So give me yeah. one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Um, let's see. Oh, we're, we've actually been totally binging Doctor Who. Hmm, we're nice. like all in for Doctor Who these days. So right now we're on the fairly recent ones, Matt Smith. Um, and I don't remember, but yeah. And I actually never got into Doctor Who before. I was always like, I knew about it on the periphery, but I'd never actually gotten into it. And I'm like, oh my God, that box is so much bigger on the inside. So. <laughs> That's one of those things that like, I, you know, I grew up around like the fringes of like nerd culture. I like comic books and superheroes and professional okay. wrestling and particularly like yep. Godzilla. So Doctor Who, which sort of mm -hmm. exists on the cusp of like that nerd nerd fandom culture, for whatever reason, I kind right. of missed it. And now I feel like it's almost too late, but I guess not. 
it's not too late. No, you, you gotta, yeah, it was, I've really been enjoying it. It's really great. Yeah. Uh, and I guess last but not least, I'm going to give you a scenario. So sit with me for just a second here. Uh, you are the World Wrestling Federation Women's Heavyweight Champion. You are walking down to the ring. The crowd is chanting your name. They're cheering for you. You're holding the belt above your head. What song is playing in the background <laughs> as you make your way to the ring? What's, what's that song that must have been by like Di Diana Ross? I Will Survive? Was that Diana Ross? I Will, I will Survive. I Will Survive is Diana Ross. As long as I know how to live, I know I'll stay alive. I've got all my life to live. I've got all my love to give. I will survive. Hey, hey. Well, perfect. Okay, That's if you play that, seriously. <laughs> that was perfect. That was great. Uh, Celeste, I want to thank you for spending time with us here today. I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to do this. Uh, I hope you make it through this collecting season without going too crazy. And uh, we'll hear from you again in the future. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Thank you very much. This is always a, always a pleasure. And uh, we'll talk soon. I'm going to have to end the interview from my side because we got a little bit of a delay, okay? Okay. All right, we'll talk soon. Okay, okay. All right, thanks, Sam. Yeah, let's talk soon about what we're going to do with that $64 million. Let's do it. Also, uh, I need you to send me a photo for the website. Oh, okay. I can All do right. that. I'll do that. Yep. Celeste, thank you so much. We appreciate I'll do that right now. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Sam. How many times has she heard that pun in her life? Do you Probably think? a, a time. billion, a hundred thousand times? I meet somebody like that with an obvious thing in their name. I try not to do it because I know I'm sure these people get it all the time. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, all the time. Uh, all right. So shout out to Celeste though. Thanks for giving us some time today. We totally appreciate it. Uh, all right. Let's get into this week's history lesson. Uh, well, history lessons plural. On this day, 1903. Lawrence Welk was born. Uh, for the generation that grew up on big bands in the 30s and 40s, the Lawrence Welk Show was a blessed island of calm and a world gone mad for rock and roll. <laughs> it, it aired like clockwork every Saturday night from 1955 to 1982. Uh, this is like something that I would see like in my stepdad's mom's house. Mm -hmm. when they would go, when go, they would love Lawrence Welk. Do you have any idea? Before I dig any further into stuff here, do you have any thoughts about Lawrence Welk? What's your first impression of Lawrence Welk? Uh, my great grandmother loved Lawrence Welk. I just remember loved him. Loved, it was just that, that voice. He had that like weird little accent when he would talk. Oh, I don't know about that. I just know she really liked him and watched him all the time. Yeah, he would say like "Wonderful, wonderful." He had that like really charming like accent that people loved, and mm -hmm. he like he created champagne music, uh, which is like this particular style of music, and he was sort of like. Uh, I don't know how you would compare him to somebody. He's like a band leader, right? So I'm trying to think of what a modern day version of him would be. Does he sing? No, not really. He's just sort of the showman. I mean, he's just sort of like the lead. He almost reminds me of like someone like, did Ricky Ricardo sing? Yeah. Really? Bob no, Baloo. Yeah, it's true. Just Bob. But that's the yeah, one what I heard. you mean? I never thought of you. I always assumed he was just the band leader. He was. 
I don't know. He'd sing, too. Somebody hit me up with Lawrence Welk. I don't believe that Lawrence Welk sung. I think he played accordion, was oh. what his whole thing was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, the accordion? Uh, by the early 1930s, Lawrence Welk had earned a degree in music and made a name for himself as the leader of a traveling orchestra. He'd also failed as a restaurant venture selling squeeze burgers, which were cooked on accordion-shaped grills. He loved accordions. Uh, but he was successful in developing a unique way, a unique brand of pleasing pop style, which he was called, which called, yeah, which they dubbed champagne music for its light and bubbly quality. Uh, for two decades of success in the Midwest, Melk, uh, Welk made his way to Los Angeles in 1951, uh, taking up residence with his orchestra at the Aragon Ballroom in Pacific Ocean Park. He made his first appearance on local TV the following year, and his show was picked up by ABC in 1955. When ABC dropped the Lawrence Welk show in 1971, Welk independently arranged a syndicated deal that kept him on for another 11 years and made him one of the richest entertainers in America. So there you go, Lawrence Welk on this day, 1903. I'm going to put out a bunch of champagne pop on this week's... I'm not, I'm not putting any Lawrence Welk. There you go. No, I'm not going to. On this day, 19, oh, 1917, uh, the February revolutions begin. Uh, most Russians had lost faith in the leadership ability of the Tsarist regime, and government corruption was rampant as the Russian economy remained backwards, and Tsar Nicholas repeatedly uh, dissolved the Russian parliament, which was called the Duma, which he had established after the revolution of 1905. Uh, however, the most immediate cause of the February Revolution was Russia's disastrous involvement in World War I. Uh, Russia at this time was no match for industrialized countries like Germany, and their casualties were greater than those sustained by any other nation in any previous war. Uh, meanwhile, the economy was hopelessly disrupted by the war, and moderates finally joined Russian radicals in calling for the overthrow of the Tsar. Uh, it's called the February Revolution, even though we're in March, because Russia followed the Justinian calendar at the time, in case you were curious. On March 8, 1917, demonstrators clamoring for bread took to the streets in the Russian capital of Petrograd, which is now St. Petersburg. Uh, supported by 90,000 men and women on strike, the protesters clashed with police but refused to leave the streets. Uh, on March 10th, the strike spread among all the Petrograd workers, and irate mobs of workers destroyed police stations. The next day, on March 11th, Troops of the Petrograd Army Garrison were called to quell the uprising. In some encounters, regimes opened fire, killing demonstrators. But protesters kept to the streets, and the troops began to waver. The next day, uh, Nicholas again dissolved the, uh, the parliamentary government. The day after that, the revolution triumphed when regiment after regiment of the army defected to the cause of the demonstrators. Uh, the new provincial government uh, tolerated... Uh, tolerated by the Petrograd Soviets, hoped to salvage the Russian war effort while ending the food shortage and many other domestic cries. Uh, it was a it proved a daunting task. Meanwhile, Vladimir Lenin, who was the leader of the Bolshevik Revolutionary Party, left his exile in Switzerland and crossed German lines to return home to take control of the Russian Revolution. So interesting times in the Russian Revolution. Yeah, <laughs> heavy stuff. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, the Bloody Sunday thing happened here, too. You know, they talk about a lot of the troops jumping sides with the demonstrators, but that was also a lot of examples of, like, open fire and just killing a lot of protesters in that time. So, dark times in the, in the Russian Revolution, which, for whatever reason, when I teach it, is always very fascinating. Like, I find it just to be a very fascinating subject. There's mm. a lot of, like, nuance and angles to it. Um, yeah, really, really interesting stuff, and this was a prime time for a lot of that happening. All right, on this day, 1969, 
The London Drug Squad appeared in the house of George Harrison and Patty Boyd with a warrant and drug-sniffing dogs. Uh, Boyd immediately used the direct hotline to Beatles headquarters, and George returned to find his home turned upside down. Uh, he was reported to have told the officers, you need to turn the whole bloody place upside down. All you had to do is ask me, and I would have shown you where I kept everything. <laughs> uh, without his assistance, uh, police officers... Uh, uh, police officers found a considerable amount of hashish. Harrison and Boyd were arrested as they were being escorted to the police station. The photographers began shooting pictures of the famous couple. Harrison chased after the photographers and the police trailing behind him uh, down the London streets. Finally, the man dropped his camera and George stomped it before the officers subdued him. So, hmm. George Harrison not taking any guff from the paparazzi here in 69. Uh, Harrison and his model wife, who missed Paul and Linda McCartney's wedding that same day because of the arrest... Uh, were released on bail a few weeks later. Harrison was allowed to plead guilty. Despite the rather prodigious amount of hash recovered, the authorities were satisfied that it was all for personal use. Uh, they were fined 250 pounds each and even had a confiscated pipe returned to them. Uh, ten years later, Boyd married guitarist Eric Clapton, and Harrison sang and played guitar at their wedding. That's sort of a weird... Hey, whatever goes. 70s are a weird time. Uh, the man behind the raid, Sergeant Pitcher was convicted of planting drugs in other cases and went to jail himself in 1972. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> uh, on this day, 1993, the MTV Music uh, music MTV Network hit animated series Beavis and Butthead uh, debuted and would go on to become the network's highest-rated series up to that point. Uh, the titular main series, where two teenage boys lived in the fictional town of Highland and attended high school there, uh, but spent most of their time eating junk food and talking about girls and watching music videos. It was de it was divisive for critics at the time. Uh, some praised Mike Judge and MTV for skewering a big part of their audience, uh, but a lot of other folks didn't care for sort of the messaging and the, the attitude of the characters, sort of idiots. Uh, there was also some sort of controversy about a, a mother who blamed the show for inspiring her son to set fire to his sister. Because the show had all sorts of weird pyromania jokes and stuff involved in it. Um, regardless of what happened, the show remained popular. MTV moved it to a later spot in the evenings, uh, targeting an older audience, and that kind of died down. Uh, the success of Beavis and Butthead prompted MTV to launch spinoff programs featuring uh, the boys' nerdy female classmate, uh, Daria Morgendorfer, which very pro-Daria here at the show. Uh, Mike Judge later created King of the Hill for Fox, which I did not like. As a kid, and now as I get older, it's actually, it's pretty funny. Mm. Now when I go back to watch an episode or two. Uh, I feel like I missed Beavis and Butthead when it came out. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know why. I just don't know mm. why, for whatever reason, like... You probably weren't allowed to watch it. Probably wasn't allowed to your watch mom, it. Your mom, yeah. It would yeah, make a lot mom, of sense. Your mom was running a tight ship. She was running a tight ship. I remember being ship. friends with you in, like, middle school and high school. Angela was running a tight ship up there. You probably weren't allowed to watch Beavis and Probably Butthead. was not allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Did you? Where do you rank Beavis and Butthead in terms of your like animated cartoons for like? Did you like? Is it funnier than like Ryan and Stimpy? Obviously. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. It's just different. You know what I mean? Nobody else was really doing the like cutting with the music videos and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was, I mean, it was certainly a lot of the humor was aged at you know the young adolescent mm -hmm. teen and that kind of thing. Um, and some of that stuff probably wouldn't hold up. You know, Mike Judge at this point has proven himself to be a pretty savvy writer. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was funny, but I really, it exposed me to a lot of music videos I wouldn't have seen otherwise, yep. um, especially at a young age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
different things like that. And I think that part is kind of almost the underrated part of the show at this point. And one of the reasons why it's never been able to properly take off on streaming is they don't have licensing for all those old music videos they used to do, which really were the lifeblood of, you know, the show. Yeah, I was actually just going to bring, I'm glad you brought that up because that was something on the notes. You know, that's a big, that was an issue for streaming the show years later and why it was Mm -hmm. such a hard show to find for a long time. This is also one of those weird shows where I actually, I really like Daria. I would argue that I think Dario probably has a better reputation than Beavis and Butthead if you're talking about, like... Depends who you're talking to. You think the critics in general like Dario better than, like, Beavis and Butthead? Uh, probably depends on who yeah. who the critics yeah. is. You know what I mean? Like, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. I like Dario. I like Dario better than Beavis and Butthead. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it, I'm aware that that's not true for everybody at uh, all. Makes sense. Uh, on July 1st, 2020, Comedy Central announced it had ordered a second revival of the series consisting of two new seasons along with spin-offs and specials. In the new series, Beavis and Butthead will enter a whole new Gen Z world with meta themes that are said to be relatable to both fans who are unfamiliar with the original series uh, and old fans alike. Mm. Uh, Mike Judge will return as writer, producer, and voice. It's expected to premiere during the third quarter of 2021. Mm. So there you go. New Beavis and Butthead later this year. And last but not least, on this day, 1999, uh, Jolton Joe, the Yankee Clipper, Joe DiMaggio, passes away. Uh, he was an American-born baseball center fielder. He played his entire 13-year career uh, for Major League Baseball with the New York Yankees. Born to Italian immigrants in California, he is widely considered one of the greatest baseball players of all time. His 56-game hitting streak between May 15th and July 16th, 1941, is a record that stands to this day. Um... We I watched uh, we watched sixty one over the weekend. I, I put it on when I was doing some stuff around the house, and I feel like that movie made me dislike Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> you I mean, know what I mean, Joe DiMaggio, not a great guy. Not a great guy. I mean, we talked about Joe DiMaggio just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, you know, we, we ran through all that. Yeah, but I feel like that was the first time. Like I watched that movie whenever it came out, and immediately was like, oh, I can't believe he was mean to Mickey. You know what I mean? Like, and I immediately was like, nah, screw Joe DiMaggio. And you got to understand, I'm, I'm Italian on, you know, one side of my family. So as a kid growing up, like, I would, you you could have argued for a long time that Joe DiMaggio was, like, my favorite player. Because, like, well, it could have been me. You know what I mean? Hey, sure. Joey D and Sammy yeah, yeah. F hanging around playing baseball together, wow. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was a kid and I cared about that kind of sure. thing a lot more, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, in terms of Joe DiMaggio himself, he, he led the Yankees to nine World Series championships. Only one Yankee has more championships than Joe DiMaggio. Can you name mm. who it is? Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra with ten. Uh, DiMaggio holds the record for most seasons with more home runs than strikeouts, uh, a feat that he accomplished seven times and five times consecutively from 1937-1941. Uh, he also could have exceeded 500 home runs in 2000 RBIs had he not served in the military during World War II, causing him to miss the 1943 44 and 45 seasons uh so there you go joe dimaggio passed away on this day 1999 all right let's move on to the rest of the news this week i saw an article i guess it's not it was technically from a local source but it's not really a a local article it was an argument about things you should keep in your car for the winter Mm. uh and i was i was gonna run through it and see if you have any of these things in your car and if i have any of them because i i i haven't really looked through a lot of this yet Kev, you keep a blanket in your car. Uh, yeah. I normally do, but I don't have one. Now that I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it, I read this list. That was letting my stepdad used to yell at me mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, throw it in the trunk. Not taking up any space. Jumper cables I do have. Mm-hmm. That one feels like one I 
made the mistake once as a kid of not owning jumper cables. There's no reason not to. Too cheap not to own a pair. <laughs> a phone charger. A spare phone charger. I do not have a spare phone charger. A car charger. I see my charger doesn't work in the car, so I have no reason to have a spare one. Mm. I guess maybe I could put like one of those like uh, what do you call it? like portable chargers and leave it in my thing. That would die out after a while, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't. I feel like you have a. Don't you have one like down on the ground? I, I don't think so. Really? I don't think. I so. thought you did. Uh, a gas canister, not full of gas, but with some money in it, which is kind of an interesting one. No. Because apparently gas degrades over three to six months. Makes yeah. So instead of leaving gas in your car. Just put some money in the empty tank to fill the tank. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, you. I mean, you're not driving around with a tank full of gas, and you're trying. You're you deserve emergency contact index card. I don't know if I'm leaving it. Yeah, that's probably just in your wallet. In your wallet, out of man. Yeah. How about a lockout key? What the hell is that? Uh, a locksmith. Uh, it's a key that's zip tied somewhere on your car. Oh, uh, in case you lock yourself out of the car? In case you lock yourself out of the car. Nah, triple it. Triple A will come let you in. You lock yourself out. Yeah, because I keep my pocket knife on my keys. So how would I get the pocket knife to cut uh, the zip mistake. tie? Keep the pocket knife in the pocket. Yeah, but after we went to that Knicks game and I had to throw away my pocket knife, I've been very gun-shy to take pocket knives with me. Go to less Knicks games. I'll try to go to that. <laughs> uh, GPS tracker, which I would... Ne- your phone, I suppose, is a GPS tracker. I guess you wouldn't... Yeah, I don't know. I have some of these things in my car. Anything else you leave in your car at all times? Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. There's usually a first aid kit. There's usually an extra pair of shoes yeah. uh, with socks rolled up in them somewhere. It's yeah, pretty good. Um, I've always got a tie or two, but that's because I mm-hmm. because of, like with the band and stuff, I'm wearing you know suits. So we're doing like a wedding or something like that. Like an extra tie is always something that's usually in the car. Probably comes from the days back at Notre Dame. Um. Probably like little like sense. accoutrements like that, you know what I mean? Maybe like a comb or a little bit of hair product or my either my dad or my stepdad was a big proponent of like putting sandbags in your car, yeah, to weigh it down in the back, especially in the winter around here. Yeah, I don't know if that's something I've ever done in years, but that was like a thing that I heard growing up. Like, Foolish, really? I mean, I think yeah. Would you, so, would you? How much does a sandbag weigh? Well, I think the idea is. You would also use it if you got stuck in the snow to, like, get out of the snow? Would that make it... I guess if that's what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And anything where it's like, oh, the weight... No, that's a skin. It's not going to do it, yeah. But yeah, kitty litter will help you get out of if you're stuck in the snow or there. So the yeah. kitty litter is one of the best things you can put under there, even better than sand. Because hmm. it soaks up all the, the moisture. Hmm. Uh, oh, there you go. There's, uh, there's a little stuff for your car. I don't have anything else I can think of. I guess I leave... This is a stupid one. I leave a soccer ball in there all the time. <laughs> It's a dumb one, I guess. Just in case the game's going to break out. Well, in case you want to bust the game out, in case you get lost somewhere. Mm. Tell me sometimes. You got to get just hang out somewhere for 15 minutes waiting for somebody. Kick the ball around. Mm. Uh, you tell me if this is a scam or not. Uh, this gentleman has decided that during the season of Lent, he's going to live on nothing but beer. Mm. Uh, he is doing it for good reasons, to help raise money for hosp- uh, hospitality industry. But he says he's lost. he lost 40 pounds. Only drinking beer for the course of the month. That makes sense. You think you could do it? No, I mean, could and would or... Yeah. Yeah. Could I, I guess, theoretically. Like, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't kill me. I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't. But, like, I probably could if I had to. Yeah, this gentleman, Del Hall, who hails from Cincinnati, is undertaking this beer-only diet for Lent for the third time after completing it in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, bro, we get it. You like to drink beers. Wow. I mean, good for you for raising money. I'm glad he's not just doing this as, like, a bit, right? Uh, yeah, I feel like 
it's probably unhealthy for you. Deeply. Deeply unhealthy, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, deeply, deeply mm, unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't listen, you don't need you don't need to be a doctor to know. <laughs> uh let's get into uh I guess what I'm calling the animal section. I have three animal related stories here this mm. week. Uh this is from the National Post in Canada. Uh, the city of Toronto is asking people to stay away from raccoons after it saw an increase in reports of people being attacked. Mm-hmm. That's right. Toronto Public Health has seen a 62% increase in raccoon bites mm-hmm. since last January uh, compared to a two-year average before 2018 and 2019. So the raccoons going yeah. wild. Yeah. People spending too much time on Instagram and the internet. Let me explain something to you. A raccoon will air you out. <laughs> A raccoon will torch your shit. It's not going to kill you, but you'll get hurt. You ever see people, you see people too on Reddit too, who like think that they have like foxes and raccoons as pets. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, dude, it's such a mistake. It's, they're so, they're not meant to be kept indoors. They're not meant to be like, like there's, your pals. There's, there's a different thing. Like if you find like a baby raccoon or something, it's abandoned. Yeah. There's people who raise it and keep it in the houses. It's not impossible to maintain some sort of a relationship with these creatures, but mm. to just think you're going to snatch one up and treat it like a yellow lab, that's a mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like somebody who lives out in the woods and, you know, they've got a fox that comes to their property, they've been feeding it since it was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, you got that kind of stuff. You might be friendly and it probably will let you pet it and play around with you, but you can't just, you know, you can't just be a geek off the street. <laughs> No, <laughs> you can't just be snatching any fox that you see around somewhere. Got to show your handy with the scratches. Uh, all right, so let's move on. This one is just mostly for the headline. Uh, rooster kills owner during a legal cockfight, slashing him in the groin, and it will testify, it'll appear in court. Boom, that's justice. <laughs> uh, man was killed by a rooster. This is uh, in Hyderabad, India. A uh, man was killed by a rooster with a blade tied to its leg during an illegal cockfight. So they tied the blade... A three-inch blade to the leg of the rooster. Mm-hmm. It freaked out and slashed his owner and hit him in the groin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the quick reminder you need. That's a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur. It's true. Don't give the raptor the claw back and not expect <laughs> it's a great it. Point. I mean, what do we? You put the giant claw back on the raptor and <laughs> you got sliced. I don't know if they don't have uh, Jurassic Park in India, but. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Muldoon. It's over uh, for you. The rooster will be presented in court as evidence after killing the owner, which I imagine means you'll just have to put the rooster like on the table, right? Yeah, like, fuck just... around and find out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I didn't know that's how cockfighting worked. You have to put the blade on their leg. I just assumed they were just going at it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know uh, much about yeah. cockfighting, I suppose. Uh, and what else? I have one more. Oh yeah, one more animal story this week. Uh, a pilot on a Boeing seven thirty seven. Uh, turned the plane around earlier this week after 30 minutes into the flight after a cat attacked the pilot inside of the cockpit. Mm. Uh, the Tarko flight uh, was heading from Khartoum, the capital of Sudan, to Doha, the capital of Qatar, when a mm. stowaway cat appeared in the cockpit and it became aggressive and angry, resisting attempts to catch it. Uh, pilot decided it was necessary to make an emergency landing to remove the feline which was said to be feral. Uh, sources say that the cat most likely entered the airplane when the crew was doing cleaning and maintenance work and just hung out in the plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't know if a cat would be enough to take down a whole plane like that. It's pretty impressive. Well, I mean, you got to imagine we're not talking about like a 747. It's a Boeing 337. 3, 737. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if it's in the cockpit, 
and it's feral and jumping around scratching the pilot. I could see it, I guess. Mm, Seems like a lot? Seemed, uh, it's... <sighs> I'm not sitting here... Certainly we should never be killing the cats. No, no. But if I'm up 30,000 feet in the air... And this cat is threatening to crash the plane into the ground. The cat's going to be dealt with the same way that I would deal with anybody threatening to crash the plane into the ground at 30,000 feet. It was angry and aggressive, they said. So Also, like, who knows, too, because you, know, you said it was in Nairobi. Might not have just been, like, Charles the house cat. No, they said it was feral. So it's a feral cat. Well, but I mean, like, yeah. feral, but, like, even still, might not have been, like, regular, small, tabby cat. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't think, you don't think Charles could take down a plane? So, no. <laughs> no. Right. Uh, let's go to our last story this week. Uh, and it is, uh, is this your king? Our Stephen King section for the week. I had mm-hmm. to go looking for a Stephen King story. Not the best one this week. Uh, Steven Spielberg and the Duffer Brothers are teaming up to tackle the Stephen King-Peter Straub collaboration story, The Talisman, uh, for Netflix. Kevin, you have any thoughts about The Talisman? Uh, I have an old, old copy of it that I've never read. Yeah, I don't know if I ever read this one either. I feel like I had... I feel like I got the other one that was the sequel to this. Is it mm. Black House? Maybe something like that? No, I don't know. It's another one that him and Peter Straub worked on, and I was like, wait, I think I should have gotten the other one first. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? And then I was like, well, I'm not going to read it now. Uh, but there you go. Another Stephen King property getting signed up. Not one of my favorites. But I guess I like the Duffer Brothers just fine. Stranger Things fine. So yeah, we'll take a look. Spielberg must be in... Spielberg's into it. That makes me a little nervous, though. Spielberg's into it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Well, it's all a little suspicious. <laughs> Why the talisman? They couldn't get anything better? Well, that was my thought. What's yeah. the? What about this particular story? Like, I don't know. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the talisman is a story about uh, a 12-year-old boy who sets off on an epic road trip quest to save his dying mother's life. He's in search of the talisman, a powerful relic that can not only heal his mother... But as he finds uh, later on, it can save the world. Mm, okay, that makes sense. Sawyer's journey crisscrosses two realities, the America we know and the dangerous fantasy world twin, the territories. That actually does sound like some Stephen King. That sounds very Spielberg-y, yeah. Yeah. very Duffer Brothers-y, yeah. very Stranger mm-hmm. Things-y. So there you go. It. So this is not your king this week. <laughs> no. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to watch it, it, but I'm not going to sit here and evangelize it, I don't think. Uh, that's all right. That's fine. That's about what I expected for this Stephen King this week. Let's do... Talisman. <laughs> Let's do... Uh, uh, do you want to do juices or personal hygiene for the mailbag question this week? Uh, juices. Uh, is orange juice the best juice? No. And if not, what is the what? best juice? That's the question. Who's this from? <laughs> Stop listening, whoever you are. Is orange juice the best juice? No. What kind of... I like orange juice. Do people take orange juice as the best juice? Orange juice is probably the most ubiquitous juice. There's the juice like, you see the most. Yeah, if you open any fridge, I would imagine I'm more likely to see orange juice than grape juice or apple juice or something like that. If I open somebody's fridge, I'm more likely to see ground beef than Kobe beef, but I'm not sitting here saying ground beef is the best of the beef. No. <laughs> no. It's fair. Absolutely it's not. Right. No, no way with the orange juice. I don't think so. No, I, I would probably have it pretty high on the list. I mean... I'm, thinking, I'm trying to think I of what like I like better. Juice. I like orange yeah. juice. Don't get me wrong. What do you like better than orange juice? I guess is a good place to start. Um, you like pineapple juice better than orange juice? But yeah, yeah. I mean, pound for pound, from when I have a small glass, I like pineapple juice better than I like orange juice. Grapefruit I, juice? I like cranberry juice. I like grape juice. Uh, I like cran grape juice. Cran grape juice, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I like, you know, you start getting out into weird places, like, you know, how much do you like 
uh, even like lemon juice. Does that count? You're not no, going to drink I, it as let, a whole. Let's let's not call there. it like the. Cut the, that out. I would rather take. I'd rather take apple juice over orange juice. Maybe if it's good <sighs> apple juice. Boy, apple juice is kind of low on my list. I you know what my thing is? I think I always have orange juice when I'm sick. So drinking orange juice reminds me of being sick. You know what's weird about orange juice? I feel like I have orange juice as an additional drink during like breakfast. Like for, oh, big time. You yeah, mean yeah. like it's a second drink? Mm-hmm. I have a glass of you know coffee, and then you know just if have... I'm at like a diner and I get the meal where it comes with the little juice and like the two ounce cup or whatever, because I always short <laughs> you on the cups. Um, I'm always picking cranberry. Uh, cranberry, yeah. See, uh, I would say when I was a kid, it was grapefruit juice. I used to love mm. like ruby red grapefruit juice now it's easy to get bad grapefruit juice well now as i get older it's a little too much after Mm. a while it's just too much acid i get canker sores and shit that's fair uh i would say yeah i think you're i think grape juice is probably like some sort of grape juice it's also super unhealthy for you it's like not good for you no juice juice. no juice is juice because well because it's not really juice it's just sugar water yeah like yeah it's sugar water with fruit branding you know what I mean? Like, if you yeah. go get, like, some ocean spray cran grape, that's not really that different than, like, Coca-Cola or some other poison. You know what I mean? Do you have any, like, any fringe juices you like? Like, a mango juice guy or, like, anything um, like that? Papaya? There's a lot of the, a lot, if you go looking in the, like, the Spanish foods aisle, under, like, the Goya and a lot of those things, they'll have a lot of the nectars, like, the fruit nectar, and a lot of that stuff is really good. I'm looking on WebMD here. Uh, oh! Well, tomato juice. You know, I know you're not a fan of tomato juice, but I'm a, I'm a big tomato juice guy. Yeah, I'm not I'm a, a huge big tomato, tomato juice, juice guy. guy. I don't I don't I don't really go out of my way for it, but I don't mind. I'd rather take a full flavored V8 that's got a little more complexity than just like the straight up tomato juice. Do you like uh, pomegranate? That was pot. That was hot for a while. Yeah, the pomegranate palm, juice the palms are hot. really good. I'm into those. What about those juices like the uh, the you know the the green machine and the oh like the blue, naked juices that kind Yo, of thing I love so, that I would take that over so, juice yeah 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 when I was working at Carmine's mm. uh, and I would there was a little deli next door I think it was called like the Five Star Deli or whatever and you sure. can go in you can get like a it was actually quite tasty just expensive because it was New York right so you can get a sourdough uh, sourdough sausage egg and cheese for like four bucks. Five bucks, right? Mm. But it's pretty. You gotta wait there, and you never know how long it's gonna take. And mm. if you want to get a coffee, now you're talking like ten dollars plus whatever you get. You know, it, it got expensive real quick. So the other option you could do there is you could get like a V8, right, or like a mm. you know granola bar or something, or you could get um, what did we just say? Gee, I just lost my train of thought. Uh, a naked juice. Mm. So for a long time, that would be just my breakfast. Just go get like a green machine or a red machine or whatever it was. Mm. And those are also wildly expensive, but they are. Very satisfying. Well, that's the thing with, like, if you want actual, like, healthy juice, it's going to be expensive because it takes a lot of vegetables to make juice. Like, I was in Saratoga one time, and I went to this juice spot where they make all the different, you know, just wild, like, modern hipster juice place. And all the juices were, like, 18 bucks because it's expensive. You know what I mean? I got one. I'm like, well, geez, this is delicious. But 20 bucks a day, it's that would be a lot to try to make to be a daily juicer. Uh, Cherry juice. Is Cherry one juice. that I like quite a bit. It's an underrated like sidebar juice for me. I'm looking at this WebMD article as we're talking about it. It says that if you crave more than a single cup of juice per day, you should water it down by mixing water or sparkling water. With I do. The juice. I like that quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, I like yeah. to. So as I get older, I like to water down almost every sugar yeah. beverage. Like if it's a juice or a Gatorade, Gatorade or yeah. any kind of thing like that that I might have, I like to cut it with water. The sweet is just sweet doesn't do it for me. Yeah. Never had as much of a sweet tooth, I think. But like as I get older, I just like the two the sugar is not really not even a, it's not appealing. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Not even fair. like, oh, I shouldn't. I'm like, ah, oh, gross. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to Spotify stuff. Uh, we didn't do a Spotify pick last week, so I'm just mm. running back all my stuff from yeah, last I'll week. Yeah, I'll run mine back, too. You got to let me add songs. Oh, I didn't let you add? Hang on. I'll, I'll I think that's what happened last week. week. You didn't let me add them. I mean, I As I, uh, got into oh, it. I got to make it collaborative. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'll give you uh, my two songs for uh, this week. Uh, the first one is a song that somebody broke the news to me a few weeks ago was not an original creation, and that was Torn by Natalie Imbruglia. Mm. Did not know that was a cover song. Turns out it's been covered at least twice. Oh. She was the second cover of that song. So who's the original? Couldn't tell you. They're not famous. Didn't make it anywhere. Oh, must but be some weird Australian Just some weird probably. thing, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Torn by Natalie Imbruglia. <laughs> and then the other one <laughs> we'll be highlighting this week is a track from the famed hip-hop superstar Snoop Dogg called Sensual Seduction. Oh, boy. <laughs> and the reason I'm going with Sensual Seduction is it's one of the few songs I can think of where the edited version of the song, Sensual Seduction, is more enjoyable to me than the non-edited version, Sexual Eruption. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they edited the song down so you could play it on the radio, and for whatever reason, I find this version much more appealing. I think it's funnier. That's fair. That's so, fair. Man, I haven't heard that song in a long time. So, I Snoop, forgot about that. Yeah, so Snoop Dogg, Sensual Seduction, will also make it on the list mm. this week for me. Torn and Sensual Seduction. Kevin, mm. do you have any tracks you want to highlight? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll throw you a couple. Um, I'm going to put on the song Fools by a group called All uh, Drug Dealer, all one word. Mm-hmm. The song's called mm-hmm. Fools, uh, and it just basically, it's like a newer song, but it just sounds like Steely Dan. Yeah, right. Just that kind of, like, Yacht Rock right. sort of breezy thing. Um, and then I'm also going to throw on, uh, the song Berlin Chair by the band UMI, which is a mid-90s indie rock band, and mm. it sounds like a lot of the, all of the mid-90s, like, indie rock stuff. Mm. But it's a good song I was kind of jamming on this week, so I'll throw those two on, and I've got a couple others I've been sitting on. Um, so yeah, we'll get some of that, maybe, maybe a little hip-hop track, maybe a little classic track, never know. All right, shout out once again to, uh, Heather Waz. Who uh doing great. Hope to hear from her soon. Would love to see her soon. Anytime. Hoping to see her soon. Uh shout again to Celeste. Uh again, staying on the grind, getting ready for another mm. season of doing the political rat race. Yo, Good for you. I really underlines the problems we're having. We call them seasons. Seasons. See? It's insidious. <laughs> uh, I know. Oh. All right. Uh, and that's it. We are two episodes away from three hundred. Uh, that's it. I guess you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. Uh, we are taking over the web. You can follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at SFP Motors. Follow the show at Uticast. Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. We are desperately out of time, and we will see you next week for another episode of Uticast. Be safe, folks. Oh, 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 oh,